Just before the holidays, the Omnibus Act passed through the Senate, greenlighting the Secure Act 2.0, as it's known. A lot has changed this year, and this is a, a change that is for sure going to have a rippling effect on your portfolio now and in this new year. If you've been going it alone on your financial plan, this can be a piece of daunting news. You'll have to scour the legislative documents and find out how to reorganize your plan and timelines so that you don't make costly mistakes. However, this legislation doesn't have to be daunting. In fact, if you know what's in it, how to navigate it, you can actually improve your financial situation. And that's why we're here, to discuss these changes, talk about the future of your retirement, and show you that the right partner by your side can help you get through retirement. I'm Kent Fitzpatrick. And I'm John Gentry. And we're here from Asset Strategy. Uh, Welcome to our podcast. So I don't forget to include it. Um, Our number, if you would like to reach us, is 800-266-8484. And you can always go to our website, learn more about our company, assetstrategy.com. If you do have questions about strategizing and optimizing your retirement, you're in the right place. In today's show, we are going to basically talk through an overview of Secure Act 2.0. And John and I will talk a little bit about 1.0 as a comparison. We'll answer some common retirement questions that you might have and talk about some potential solutions to your problem. So this is a good time, again, to prepare for retirement so that you can live the life you want. And again, last, I'll give it 800-266-8484 is our number. And with that, I'm going to uh, jump into the segment. So John, a sweeping change was made to the retirement landscape um, just before the end of the year. Uh, Under this omnibus bill known as the Secure Act 2.0, which was passed, and along with it came some major changes to the retirement landscape, including changes to RMD, or affectionately known as the Required Minimum Distribution, 401k enrollments, access to annuities, small business retirement plan incentives, and more. So some of these changes were for retirement plans and their participants, Uh, and the plan sponsor, and some were made actually for individual investors. So I know that it's loaded with all kinds of things, but let's try to unravel some of this for our listening audience. Thanks so much for having me, Kent. I'm looking forward to uh, talking through the changes, most of which are really positive for uh, retirement savers and investors. You mentioned the plan sponsor and level incentives. Uh, The new tax credits are simply phenomenal to encourage new plan sponsorship. So uh, I hope we get a chance to talk a little bit about that uh, when we go through this today. Great. Okay. So what, what do we need to know? I mean, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Well, I think some of the most significant changes at the participant level, I mean, in addition to the big colas that we saw, which were not part of Secure 2.0, but the changes in Secure like being able to take your employer match in the form of Roth contributions instead of pre-tax, and then a requirement for higher income earners that if you're uh, making a catch-up contribution, if you're over 50, that your catch-up contribution must be in the form of a Roth, not pre-tax. That kind of ripples through. That creates uh, a situation where plans that don't have a Roth feature have to amend, right? The plan document doesn't allow for Roth yet, But there are provisions in Secure 2.0 where a Roth feature is going to be required. So basically all plans have to have a Roth provision in them now. And plan documents are going to need to be updated for probably a small portion, but some plans that don't have Roth in them. So what about the RMD, the requirement of distribution? 
another really positive for retirement savers. You know, we we uh, we pushed out the RMD or required beginning date for RMDs in Secure One O from age seventy and a half to age seventy two. And uh, now we have a series of changes that we'll be phasing in that will eventually have the RMD begin date at age 75. So more imme- that's pretty far out. More immediately, it's going to push from 72 to 73 this year, mm-hmm. and it won't get all the way out to uh, age 75 until 10 years out. Okay. But, but again, a- an extra couple of years where you don't have to take the distributions and pay the taxes— uh, you can leave the money in there compounding longer and until later in life. It, it really, not only is it a benefit to the retirement saver, but it makes sense with the continued extension of life expectancy and the more common occurrence of people working until you know later in life and pushing out their, um, their true retirement, in some cases to age 70, and their Social Security start until age 70, having that forced distribution start date push out as well makes a lot of sense. Now, I know it doesn't happen, but I also understand in conjunction with the RMD increase in age, they're actually reducing the penalty if you don't take it correctly? That's right. Again, another real benefit, it used to be that if you missed a required distribution uh, at the time, beginning at age 70 and a half, the penalty was half of what you were supposed to have taken. So 50% of the required distribution that you missed, and they are cutting that in half to 25%, still a a significant penalty, and you never want to be subject to it. Uh, But again, they're cutting the penalty in half. And sort of on a related note, eliminating the required uh, minimum distribution for Roth 401k. Another little quirk in the code used to be that Roth IRA had no RMD. You could leave the money in. And Roth 401k did have an RMD, so there was this incentive to move your money out of the plan into your IRA if it was Roth so that you didn't have an RMD. And that disparity, that different treatment between 401k and IRA has been removed. So now if it is Roth money, even if it stays in plan, you do not have a required minimum distribution. Fantastic. So I know, again, we're jumping from provisions within a retirement plan to how it affects the individual. Now I'm going to pull you back into the retirement plan again. Um, Required automatic enrollment. That's also a a new feature. Right. So uh, starting, I believe it's in 2024, every new plan is going to have to have automatic enrollment going forward. So it used to be an optional thing. And, and really what the movement in the, in the legislation is, is to make all plans automatically enroll so that we have virtually 100% participation rates. And, and to me, that does make perfect sense. I mean, we rely on the defined contribution system as our primary retirement system in the United States to simply allow uh, participation to be fully optional without any kind of a nudge or uh, push to promote participation by participants is a disservice to um, to everyone. I, I agree. So, so that uh, my understanding is that's going to be an auto enrollment at three percent, um, but not more than ten percent because a lot of plans that have the auto feature have an auto escalation, which again 
is kind of a behavioral finance thing to kind of nudge you in the in the right direction. Um, let me let me move to the the, the catch up contribution. So this is to help some of our our older retirement investor savers. Um, what's the what's the update on the catch up? Um, so. Under the current rules, if you were over age 50, 50 or older, you, um, you could put in an extra $6,500 a year. Under the new rules, the limit is going to go um, up to $10,000. That's starting in, age, um, in uh, 2025 uh, for uh, folks who are age 60 to 63. And then there's also a, a COLA. So the catch-up itself is going to be indexed for inflation. So a much larger catch-up contribution from 6,500 to 10,000, and then it's going to automatically index up with inflation. And another um, interesting twist in the catch-up rules is there's now an income test uh, that applies to your catch-up contribution. If you're making over a certain amount, 145,000, um, you will no longer be allowed to make your catch-up pre-tax. It has to be Roth. Yeah, and that's, again, starting in 2025. Starting in 2025. <clears throat> so, again, if you, if you have folks who are eligible for catch-up, age 50 or older, then your plan document, and they make over 145, then your plan document has to include a Roth provision now. It used to be a completely optional provision. You didn't have to offer Roth. But in order to offer catch-up, if you have any... Uh, higher compensated employees, you need to have the Roth feature because it's the only way they're going to be allowed to make the catch-up contribution at all. Yeah, and I would think that you know plans have to do regular amendments. So if they haven't added the Roth, it would, now would be a good time to get that Roth feature um, added. And maybe just for clarity for our listeners here in uh, the beginning of, of 2023, the, the, the catch-up for 2023 is $7,500. And then also the, the new uh, base contribution for uh, ages uh, under age 50 is 22,500. So essentially, someone who is age 50 or older in calendar year 2023 would be able to put upwards of $30,000 a year in for this year, 22,500 for the base, and then $7,500 catch up for this year. Correct. Yeah, the COLAs were the biggest we've seen in a long, long time. Okay. How about some other uh, basic things like, um, I want to get into emergency savings. I know there's some student uh, debt features on the match. So let's let's jump into a couple of other, other items. Um, sure. So uh, there is a provision in Secure 2.0 that allows employees to tap up to $1,000 from their retirement account for an emergency without having to pay the 10% penalty. So on the one hand, I view that as encouraging what we call leakage in the in the industry, which is letting retirement money out of your retirement plan for a non-retirement reason. But again, if you don't have that emergency reserve set aside, and, and there are provisions to help savers create that um, emergency reserve, but if you don't have it, they've actually created a way for you to tap just a little bit of your retirement money without that um, historically applicable 10% penalty. Kind of an emergency access only. Right. Yeah. Um, Tell me about this, um, the student student debt, student loan feature. So the situation where, where this is going to help, where this applies, you've, you've got a, a significant portion of the population, especially under age 40, let's say, who are either under-participating or not participating at all in their retirement plans because they don't have the discretionary income due to 
the onerous size of their student loan servicing payment. So therefore, if there's a generous match in the plan, they may not be able to get that match because they're paying down their debt with their their own money. Exactly. And especially at employers where the entire employer contribution is in the form of a match, those that are you know saddled with these student loan payments and therefore can't afford to participate in the 401k are also leaving the match on the table, kind of compounding um, the effect of carrying that uh, onerous student debt. And this provision basically allows for student loan payments to qualify you to earn the match. So your employer can make the matching contribution to your plan for you, even though you're pointing all of your, in air quotes, retirement contributions to student loan payments. So you're not, you're not forced to leave that match on the table just because you're servicing student loans instead of participating in the 401k. And what that's really gonna help with is you, you think about the, uh, the 20-something who's relatively fresh out of college and they're you know, furiously paying down their student loans and they're still paying down their student loans when they get to be 30 and then they get into their 30s and they're still either not participating or under-participating in their 401k at work because they're paying down the student loans instead. And meanwhile, a significant portion of their career has passed and they haven't earned their first matching contribution. <clears throat> yes, this is, this is going to be a, a nice windfall for, for those folks. Right, because it's going to get some money into their retirement plans at earlier ages and get that magical value compounding of money, you know, compound interest effect on that match that they're no longer forced to sacrifice. There's a couple other provisions I wanted you to share with our audience. The whole part-time worker access, I think, you know, under uh, the, the original SECURE Act, it did open up a window for uh, a part-time worker with a certain number of hours, um, but I think it was a three-year window, and SECURE 2.0 uh, improves on, on that? Exactly right. So most plans have what's called a 1,000-hour rule, and the basic eligibility rule is you have to work a thousand hours in a single plan year to trigger your initial eligibility to participate in a plan. And if you have a part-time workforce, traditionally they, if they're working under a thousand hours a year, not 20, eligible. roughly twenty hours a week, they never trigger eligibility. And Secure One O, it basically said, hey, long-term part-time workers should at least have access to the plan to defer out of their own pay. And so if you worked somewhere for three consecutive years, over 500 hours a year, eligibility to defer was created under Secure 1.0. Now, it did not require the employer to trigger eligibility for the employer match. It just triggers eligibility for deferral. At least saving their own money. At least saving their own money. Secure 2.0 kind of one-ups that provision, shortens it to two years. So basically, if you have if you have folks working for you and they're there for consecutive years, once they're there for two years and they work over five hundred hours in each year, you have to let them in. Okay, that's, that's that's fantastic. So, all right, this is a new acronym, or it's not a new acronym, but it's one I'll share with our audience called a QLAC, uh, Qualified Longevity Annuity Contract. So, what did Secure Two Dot O do for someone worried about maybe living too long? So this kind of addresses the shift in our retirement system from defined benefit, which would be a pension 
plan that would provide income for life traditionally. Uh, you know, we've replaced that system with defined contribution and that guaranteed income that can never run out has kind of gone away. Other than Social Security, most American retirement savers don't have a guaranteed income source in retirement. And the QLAC creates a provision where you can make your own guaranteed source of income, basically a pension type of payout in the form of an annuity. And the QLAC rules had limits on, there was a dollar limit and a percentage of your retirement account limit um, under Secure 1.0 and under Secure 2.0, the 25% cap that used to be enforced is now eliminated and the maximum amount you can put into a qualified um, longevity annuity contract was increased from 135,000 to 200,000. So again, this is basically a way for a retirement saver to purchase their own pension as a supplement to Social Security so that that foundational income in retirement, maybe you want it to cover your fixed expenses, um, it, it creates a way for you to have that guaranteed and not necessarily subject to market fluctuations. So uh, there's a couple others, and again, I don't want to get into the weeds on every one of them, but let me just kind of share a couple other notable changes that Secure 2.0 brought about. Um, one, it created a, a federal matching uh, contribution for lower income retirement savers. Um, it also broadened the use of unused college savings money, and that's basically being able to take you know, excess balances in your 529 account and convert and contribute that or convert it over to a, a Roth, which I think that's a nice provision. Helping military spouses get access to retirement plans. Um, and there's also some incentive for small businesses to set up retirement savings plans. I think you alluded to that in the beginning. Um, for their workers and encouraging you know, individuals to set aside long-term savings and make it easier for uh, annuities to be part of uh, you know, the income option, you know, tell, tell me about annuities, John. Why, why is that so compelling in a retirement plan? So if, if I open up my statement and I see I've got, you know, $600,000, why are they trying to introduce annuities? What, what's the thought? Well, there's been so much talk about what's the proper spending rate, like what's the distribution rate? How much can you take from your retirement account balance in a defined contribution system and never deplete your principle. So the, the defined contribution, it's an accumulation vehicle, and you referenced it before, you know, defined benefit. You know, if I work somewhere for 30 years, I got the, you know, the, the golden watch and two thirds of my income for the rest of my life. Hopefully I live a, a long, healthy life. Um, but th that was it. And, and so I think the DC accumulate as much as you can, but there's no income side of it. Right. And so income features in the defined contribution system have been few and far between. And this is an effort to create a design where you can take a portion of your accumulated defined contribution and convert it into a defined benefit. And the reason that's so important for the retirement saver is when you change the ratio, when you, when you look at your income sources in retirement, if it's just uh, what you've accumulated and withdrawing from your savings plus Social Security, then the probability of you running out of money before you run out of breath is X. There's some probability that you're going to run out, run out of money before you die. And you can change that probability significantly by increasing the amount of guaranteed income that you have that will last for a lifetime. And so it isn't necessarily about pursuing returns. It's about 
decreasing the probability that a retirement saver is going to run out of money too soon. So if you take 20% of your retirement savings from a defined contribution and purchase a qualified lifetime annuity contract, something that's going to pay you forever, whatever that percentage shift is from a defined contribution to a defined benefit type product, your probability of running out of money too soon is going to be significantly impacted. So it's kind of a playing the odds thing. You're increasing the likelihood that a retirement saver's money will last for their lifetime by increasing the allocation to a guaranteed lifetime income. So we we probably just threw out, you know, 10 or 12 different summary points from the Secured Act 2. I'm going to ask you a question and maybe I'm going to answer it and then let you, you give me your answer. Uh, what I was going to ask you about is, you know, which of these dozen or so you know, items or provisions you know, stands out to you the most, and, and I, I, I'm going to share my answer because I think it's really um, the thesis of allowing people to save more over a longer period of time by, you know, pushing out your RMD potentially all the way out to age 75, you know, eventually in, in 2033, um, allowing that catch up. So to me, the thesis of if I didn't get a, a good, you know, early start, you know, I want to finish strong in the end is really what jumps out at me. How about you? Well, it, it's interesting. That, that is absolutely true, but there are some specific provisions that are focused on the other side of the savings experience over your career. At the beginning, we've got sign- really specific items in Secure 2.0 that encourage new plan creation earlier in a business's life cycle. And we have specific provisions that encourage lower income savers to start saving sooner and have a lower impact on their take-home pay. So when you look at it, the credits that apply to a plan sponsor to create a new plan have been expanded significantly so that the out-of-pocket cost to a relatively young business to create their retirement program for the very first time have been significantly reduced. So that should encourage new plan creation earlier in a business when a business is younger that means generally that you're going to start saving sooner and when you're early in your career when your income is typically the lowest these credits especially now that the credits are payable into the plan in the form of a federally paid match essentially is going to also encourage relatively modest uh, income Americans to start saving for retirement sooner because their out-of-pocket cost might be near zero. So they've addressed both beginning of career and early in the business cycle for the business to get retirement savings started sooner. And they've addressed end of career, let the retirement money compound longer and later in life, thereby expanding the amount of time that your retirement money can work for you uh, within the system. So yes, absolutely, end of career stuff has been stretched out, but beginning of career uh, opportunity and the, and the net costs, um, it's really compelling and stretching it out just a few years. If you can let the money compound a few extra years at the end and you can get more modestly compensated people to start saving a few extra years earlier than they would have because of the incentives in Secure 2.0, you can really have an impact on the retirement readiness of, of, the, uh, of the American worker. Well, I know it's off point from Secure.2.0, but given the fact that we just completed 
2022, which was a tumultuous year for both stocks and, and bonds, um, maybe some of our listeners are thinking, gee, I, I'm going to just you know, hide my head in the sand and you know, ride it out. Is that a sage uh, point of view or what would be your perspective in terms of uh, someone who's saying, gee, I, I can put all this extra money in now, but I'm, I'm scared of the markets? Well, number one, whenever 2022 was really tough, but given what happened in the markets, you need to view it as an opportunity. N- number one, buy when things are on sale. Absolutely. Things are down. You have an opportunity to contribute more than you ever could before because the contribution limits have been expanded. And if you're if you're at the you know more modest end of the compensation scale, you've got tax credits to support your contributions. The most important contributions you're ever going to make to your retirement account are made when the market is down because you're picking so, up. So don't wait for it to go up. Don't wait for it to go up. You want to be buying while it's down. Well, especially if you have a 20 plus year time horizon. I mean, that's take it, advantage. It, it, exactly. So the other thing, and this is another planning opportunity that isn't specific to Secure 2.0, but if you've accumulated pre-tax retirement monies in a significant fashion um, in IRAs or 401ks or 403bs, whatever the plan type might be, and you've ever considered a Roth conversion to um, increase the amount of tax-free income you can have in retirement, which is the magic behind the Roth, if you're ever if you're ever going to convert, the most efficient time to convert is when things are down. So, are you? Am I reading somewhere in there that you're suggesting that taxes are not likely to go down in the future, given our national <laughs> debt levels now? Well, it, yeah. So, you know, we always get the question about is am I better off contributing Roth or or am I better off contributing pre-tax to save taxes now? And the way that we coach uh, retirement plan participants on that specific point is, look, we don't know for sure if the tax brackets themselves are going to be the same as they are today, lower or higher. I think the probability is that they'll be higher, especially given the amount of uh, national debt that we've run up. I mean, it's you know, at some point the piper must be paid. So I think the probability is favoring that brackets themselves will be higher. Now, we also don't know what your personal circumstances will be. And, and that's, that's not, the question isn't what will the brackets be, it's which of the brackets will you be in? And if we don't know the answer to either of those things, then the way, the way to address that risk is to hedge your bets and make sure that you have retirement savings that are both pre-tax, where you're going to pay tax on the money when you withdraw it in retirement, and you have retirement savings that are Roth, where you pay tax on the money before it goes into the plan, but everything you take from the plan in retirement, you know, provided that you meet the five-year rule and you're age 59 and a half, will come out tax-free, including the earnings, meaning that everything that your Roth contributions earn while they're in the plan, if they come out as a qualified distribution, you never pay tax on that earnings. So again, we coach have a balance between those two buckets of money. You want to have pre-tax money so that you can reduce your taxable income today and let it grow tax deferred. And you want to have after-tax Roth money so that you can pay the tax on it now. You know roughly what you're going to pay in tax on it today, but everything it makes comes out tax-free in retirement. 
And I just want to clarify for some of our listeners because we've had this before where someone says, well, gee, I, you know, I, I didn't think I was eligible you know, to make a contribute to a Roth or I make too much money for, for, for that. What we're talking about is a Roth K or a Roth 403B. So there's no income limit to, to contribute to your Roth K or your Roth 403B through your employer-sponsored plan. What John is re- referencing is making the election to either contribute to the pre-tax side of it, the, the, the 401K side, or the post-tax side, which is the, the Roth K, if your plan allows for that. If you were to make a contribution outside of your employer-sponsored plan, you may be limited by your income, whether or not you're even eligible to open a Roth. So this is a nice provision, again, under Secure.20, which is really incentivizing both the employer to, to add the Roth feature and give you as a participant you know, the, the option. A really important point there, because I believe that many qualified plan participants do not select the Roth because they believe they're not eligible based on their income. Yeah. And the income limit only applies to Roth IRA, does not apply to Roth 401k. So I think the, the tool of a Roth is a very, very effective tool, but it's very underutilized relative to uh, the saver population that could be using it. Yeah, and, and I think the other point too is because we now have the 22,500 cap or the 30,000 if you're over age 50, you could put all of that into your Roth K or your Roth 403B. You could do a combination where you put, you know, some portion in your K side, some portion in your Roth side. So it really, you know, far exceeds the limit in the regular uh, Roth contribution. Uh, John, while I have you here, um, I do want to share with our audience, um, you know, at Asset Strategy, we do a number of events and classes and webinars. And I know that you have um, something coming up that, you know, may not a- a- apply to all of our audience because I think it's more specific to um, uh, CPAs and folks that are either work for or work with the nonprofit world. But I want you to at least give a plug. And I, I'm just going to share that if you go to assetstrategy.com under the events or webinars tab, you can see what we have coming up on the calendar. But what do you have coming up for that, that group? So we do have a, a three-part webinar series. Uh, we like to keep them really uh, concise. So we typically run about 20 minutes with the time for Q&A at the end. But we have a three-part webinar series specifically focused on nonprofit organizations' sponsorship of 403B. It's entitled Modernizing Your 403B. And the reference there is um, the 403B industry has kind of lagged the 401K industry um, in a number of ways. Specifically in 403B, there's still a huge number of plans out there that are invested exclusively in annuity products, even though mutual funds are available to them. And as a result, many of them are paying much, much higher expenses than they could be paying if they embraced the mutual fund model. So we're, we're working to uh, engage and assist the nonprofits um, all across the Northeast and nationally, frankly, uh, that have not updated or modernized their 403B. And we have the expertise to show those plan sponsors exactly what the steps are and to help their employees execute on the modernization of their 403B, which should help reduce expenses, improve performance, and reduce uh, fiduciary liability for the sponsor. Yeah, and I would say that even though this is very specific to the nonprofit sector, we do have a rotating 
topics. We also have a number of other additional resources on that site, in including um, a, a download of a retirement guide that uh, would be very helpful, and as well as a tax planning guide, which I think would be a, a great resource for a number of our listeners. A couple other, I guess, free tools I want to share with our audience. Um, we do have a risk assessment tool, which basically you can kind of gauge your your risk, especially in light of this market, and, and see how your portfolio uh, measures up. We also have a, a financial wellness report so that if you want to have a baseline uh, to your you know the path that you're on for financial wellness. Um, and really the last two pieces I'll mention are, one, there's a tax planning report. So if you want to have uh, an independent assessment of your uh, tax return uh, done uh, quickly, and again, this is uh, a complimentary session. And the last thing I'd say, we also do offer a free 15-minute call with any of our consultants. John runs our re retirement desk. We have a number of CFPs here that do uh, personal wealth and financial planning. And I'll close by saying it's impossible to forecast exactly what the economy is going to do in the future. You know, unforeseen events can and will influence our plans. Um, but don't. it doesn't mean you have to shrug your shoulders. It doesn't mean uh, not to plan for the unexpected. But you really you want to limit your downside risk during these types of, of times. However, you know, admit, you know, admits so much change, it's a tall task to be your own financial expert. And I think that's where we can help you know, put you on the right path forward uh, to maintain the right retirement trajectory, uh, especially in constantly changing times. So with that, uh, John, I'm going to wrap up today's session on Secured 2.0. I want to thank you very much for the highlight reel. Uh, and any of our listeners out there, if you want to take advantage of getting access to any of these important uh, guidance or, or tools or resources, please, again, visit us at AssetStrategy.com or our number 800-266-8484. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. This is for informational purposes only does not constitute individual investment advice and should not be relied upon as tax or legal advice. Please consult the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. There are retirement account risks that could diminish investor returns, such as, but not limited to, low interest rates, market volatility, withdrawal timing and sequence of return risk, government policy uncertainty and increased longevity. Prospective investors should perform their own due diligence carefully and review the risk factor section of any prospectus, private placement, memorandum, or offering circular before considering any investment. Advisory services offered through Asset Strategy Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Securities offered through licensed representatives of either RCX Capital Group or Concord Investment Services, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance services offered through Asset Strategy Financial Group, Inc. Asset Strategy Advisors, Asset Strategy Financial, RCX and Concord are separate companies.
Because investor situations and objectives vary, this information is intended for informational purposes only. This material does not represent legal or tax advice and does not constitute an offer to purchase or sell investments. There are retirement account risks that could diminish investor returns, such as, but not limited to, low interest rates, market volatility, withdrawal timing and sequence of return risk, government policy uncertainty and increased longevity. Prospective investors should perform their own due diligence carefully and review the risk factors section of any prospectus, private placement memorandum, or offering circular before considering any investment. Advisory services are offered through Asset Strategy Advisors, LLC, ASA, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Securities offered through Registered Representatives of Concord Investment Services, LLC, CIS, or RCX Capital Group. LLC RCX, both members of FINRA SIPC. Insurance services offered through Asset Strategy Financial Group, Inc., ASFG. ASA, CIS, RCX, and ASFG are independent of each other.